Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jesus, would you look who it is long time now, see? The old Still working for the carbo. That was the young fella. Still acting the bollocks. That's gas. Give a shatty yellow. Oh, you will, yeah. You're some gobble. He's bleeding massive. Ah, there. He's your man. Jigrich, how's it going? What's the crack? How are you getting on? Welcome back to another episode of Tis Yourself with me, Nicola Barden, the little host, organiser, <laughs> editor, uh, dog's body and overall gobshite that presents and does all the other bits on this show. Thanks to you for listening in today. I really appreciate it. If you're a new listener, hi and welcome, Falcha. And I hope we can keep you around. I hope we can keep you to the end of this episode, keep you to the scroll back and have another prowl through what else I ha- have in the past. So thank you for stopping by. And if you're a regular listener, as always, as I say, you're my faves. You're my faves. Had a funny week this week. Um, so I always like put up random episodes on Twitter and that, um, you know, from, from the back catalogue. So like I'll mention this time last year let's say was the Montana Brown episode because it was Mental Health Awareness Week and that's what I spoke to her for and of course so it's been a year now which is mad to think um, and so I put that up let's say that episode up just to kind of bring it while the conversation is still going but mental health awareness so put that up and that's fine so other days I'll just put up a random episode like you know Shane Ward or um, Mac Hardle or whatever depending sometimes it'll be depending on what's trending or whatever but um, in the most random twist of things on Thursday I put up the episode with Damien McGinty and like I'm, I'm a huge fan of I don't know if you know this Instagram account Dumois so it's like a celebrity a gossip site that's um in Amer- based in America and they put up like blinds items and I'm absolutely when I say dreadful at guessing them like the clues to be in some of the things and I still can't get them and thankfully they've this new Instagram account called Reveal Moi so people write in the comments and say who they're about if they're blinds and other times they're you know really they're like actual information you know whatever so I'm obsessed with it like obsessed I'll be I every single time I guess the guess is wrong like the guess will be something like um, the clue will be something like Mary Lyles and I'll be like oh that's obviously John Travolta and not Harry Styles <laughs> so yeah I'm very very dumb with this but anyway um, they often talk about so she has podcast uh, the creator of Dumois and she has a podcast where she does some celeb gossip with different people and often on the Instagram and on a couple of times in the podcast they've talked about Glee so for some reason on Thursday I just decided to put up the episode with Damien McGinty and said um I think my fellow Dumois followers would love to hear the background tea on Glee um, and Damien spells it all here. So Dumois re- retweeted it and weirdly the episode they released on Thursday there was some Glee gossip in it and I'm not going to give it away because it's their tea to give so if you're a fan of Glee this is where you go and find out go find the Dumois podcast um, it's called Do You but they put up saying um, we have and weirdly this week I have some Glee gossip in mind so she retweeted it with that comment oh my god I just looked at my 
listens on Acast and it was like through the roof. He'd been going steady all day, like, you know, like the usual listens, maybe like whatever, small amount, you know, each hour, blah, blah, blah. Next thing, it was like soaring high. Same today. Today, Damien retweeted it and tagged Dumois saying, you know, Dumois holds all the cards. And again, I'm like, what the heck? This is mad. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, It's great to get some new listeners because suddenly I was getting listeners in the Philippines, um, Venezuela, um, where else? Korea. Loads of new American listeners. For once, the first time I think ever, um, Ireland was not the most listened to country on the day. So I'll check them like daily and see like how many listens and how where the locations are. So it's absolutely crazy. So if you haven't listened to that episode, Damien is one to listen to. Apparently it's trending. The funniest thing about it was it was in 17th place of all the episodes that I have. It's gone up to 7th. And I'm sure by, so I'm recording this on Friday evening, by tomorrow, that could be a few more places. So it has knocked out uh, Megan Sims out of the top 10. I'm sorry, Megan. It's not knocked her out. And it's overtaken. It's just right behind Montana. So by tomorrow, I could have overtaken Montana. I don't know. So if there's a favourite that you like out there, go and show it some support. Go, you know, give it some love because Damien's taken over and he's catching up with Jonathan Jolie. Jonathan is top listen to and he's Damien's catching up. I think it's great. I love it. I love a bit of, you know, jazzing up the top 10 because, you know, it tends to be the same for a while and all that kind of stuff. Maybe my guest today will shake things up. Yes. Okay. So my guest today is a DS on Hell Week. So if you watch Hell Week here in Ireland or I think there's a Special Forces Hell Week, a different name, but in the UK as well. Um, over here, it's four DSs. They're four former Army Rangers, Special Forces they have been through it all um, as part of the Irish Army and they basically put like 28 people civilians through hell for a week they go through the training that they go through in the army and then they like, but they do it over a few months like and weeks and they, these guys do it over seven days and sometimes like this year some like, and again last year I think it was the same a couple of people dropped out before they even made it to the barracks because where they're sleeping because they get hauled off the bus thrown into water you know having to do push-ups having to carry massive weights get into the sea roll around the sand and get into the sea so you're like sticky and heavy and you don't get any sleep and hardly any food like for me it actually sounds like it is hell hell on earth but uh, some people love it and you know coming up to the last few episodes now so the last people will be kind of whittling down until the last episode there every year there's only a handful of people actually made it through to the final and then to actually complete the course there's only a handful of people to do it so it'll be interesting to see who does it and of course the celebrity hell week so if you don't know already, I had an episode with Ryan Andrews, who was on Celebrity Hell Week this year or last year, the end of last year, whenever it was out. And he was traumatised by it. I was saying that to my guest today. So my guest today is Jerry Reedy. He was in the Irish Defence Forces from 1994. So he was only 18 when he joined. Um, he did 23 years. 21 were in Special Operations Force, so Special Forces, um, the Army Ranger Wing. And they're basically like the US Navy SEALs over there. You know, that kind of, that's the equivalent. Um, since then, he's got a master's in forensics, computer and cybercrime. He's worked um, in, he's like being a bodyguard, like they say, what is it, executive protection services or whatever like that. He's helped, he has helped mind, wait for it, Beyonce, Jay-Z, U2, Drake, all these people. And now I know. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll be hanging out with Drake any day now. Um, so, but of course, he's now you know known mainly for being a DS. And he in this episode, we're chatting all about like he had to keep his identity hidden, his job hidden from people for twenty something years because you know you're not meant to, we're not meant to know who they are. It's kind of like the uh, the Guardian. You know, was it the 
like the emergency response units in that in ERU and here in Ireland in the guards you're not meant to know who they are like you know and if you ever see them in you know media their faces are always blacked out because obviously they have a very 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 strict job and we're not meant to know who they are so he's talking about how going from that and then going on to the television where everybody knows what you've done and what you used to do and of course all that kind of stuff and of course he's talking about Hell Week and he's talking about why he left the Defence Forces which I think is very interesting and lots more so I'm going to just stop talking now and let you listen to my chat with the wonderful, lovely and charming Joe Reedy. How's, how are you keeping anyway? How's things? Uh, not too bad in yourself. Grand, grand. You're uh, mid, what are we, how many weeks through now on Hell Week are we now? Uh, this, what's on, is it the fourth one that's on, isn't it? I think it's, yeah, it's around that anyway. The midway kind of. <laughs> How long ago did you film it though? Must be ages ago, is it? We, uh, we filmed it in um, it was ages ago, like so. We done the two of them together because of the, we had to put them into a bubble type thing, like you know, for the COVID mm. and that kind of stuff, like so. Um, I think it was March or last March or something like or whatever it was, like you know. So you did two ago. two series of Hell Week like back to back. Yeah, basically. yeah, back to it was meant to like you know because it's, obviously there's only the four of us you know that's mm. sort of run on and obviously all the production so it was, it was hard going like because we couldn't leave we had to sort of stay in the bubble so the first bunch headed off like and we were still stuck in the bubble like waiting for the next bunch to, <laughs> to come in <laughs> I think we were fit to kill everyone then once they come in like <laughs> I was just going to say whoever was in the second bunch is like oh they're look, they're so tired and cranky even more cranky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well obviously I want to hear all about Hell Week and how you got involved and all that kind of stuff but like I suppose when people see you on the TV show, they just get to see you as the DS and, you know, it's all very serious and very strict and stuff. But like, take me back to like how you even got involved in the army. Was that something you wanted to do? Was it something that was kind of thrown at you? Tell me all. No, it was was something that I wanted ever since I was a kid. Like, so it was kind of one of those things where, uh, you know, people ask you what you want to do when you're younger type Mm -hmm. thing. Like for me, it was, I want to be, I want to be a soldier. Like, you know, so... Uh, and it wouldn't matter, it wouldn't have made any difference what education or what I had done, like, that's mm. the route I was going, like, and, and so much so that I remember it was, it's, it can be very hard to get into the Irish Army because you only take so many people in, uh, on each year, like, you know, and that time when I applied, they were taking no one on, so I just went straight to the, the States and I tried to get in over there uh, and I was very unlucky not to, I just missed it by a couple of months because they brought in a new law, so if that hadn't come in, I would have been in, in the US military like and then I come back home because obviously I didn't want to outstay the visa I heard that they were recruiting here again so it was mental because back then there was no computers mm. so it was just kind of paperwork so what I done was I went to all the barracks around the country <laughs> and I played for them all like and they all thought I was nuts like and all so and then I started to get the letters back uh, and it was funny like you know because my best interview was probably the Cora which was my last mm. interview and obviously it was after doing a couple of interviews prior to that. So I was only a young lad, like I was only 18, 19. So I was quite, I had never done an interview before, like, you know. So by the time I came to the Curra, I was finely tuned. But it was mad because when I, the, I was getting letters up into that, no, you weren't accepted, you weren't accepted and all this kind of thing I'm saying, right? Um, so I had made plans then to go to France yeah, I spoke to a guy that had joined the Foreign Legion. So that's what was my next protocol. Like, it was mental, like, you know. But then all of a sudden, then uh, I, the last note, and that came about because I got the letter from the Cora. Uh, and that was my best interview saying, oh, if blah, 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 whatever it was, you unaccepted, blah, blah, blah. Didn't make it the next time. And 
So I made these plans. I and mean, then a week later, I got a letter from Dublin then, which is probably wasn't a great interview. I said, yeah, come on up. Like, we do amazing. <laughs> start to train. I said, happy days. <laughs> that's how like, I got into it. And then it just stemmed from there. Like, you know, I just, when I did there then, and I just ended up doing well there, like, you know, um, very well. And it was funny there because, I have nobody in the army. Like I, I, none of my family are military. And I went in and I done very well in recruit training and all that. And I remember me uh, NCO that was over me at the time. He says to me, Dave Morgan, lovely fella. Like he says, he says to me, I tell you what you need to do. You you need to go to this unit, uh, which I had to go to to do my three star course, which is your basic stuff. And he says, then you need to go to the army range wing, like you know. And I was looking. I hadn't a clue what the army range wing was this mm. time. And I looked at him. And says, what's the army range wing? And he lost the plot. And we had finished training because <laughs> you know, I was training in the army and I didn't know about the army range wing. So I found myself doing press ups then in front of him. I finished my training like they were doing press ups. <laughs> so I had to go and find out about all about the army range wing at the time. So that was that was crazy. So that's how I got into it. And then I I just went from there. Then like you know, I just uh, done very well in my recruit training my gunner's course, three-star course, and then I just went straight down to arranging and never looked back then, like, you know. It's funny because when you mentioned there, like, a lot of people who are in the army do have the family connection, a brother, sister, uncle, yeah. whatever like that, yeah. that's the kind of, that they've liked the what they've gone through and that kind of happened to yeah. it. Like, do, do you remember how it kind of came about you even saw the soldier aspect of it? Yeah, I did. Like, it was just uh, a young fella and I think it was uh, a couple of parades that I'd see in, and then back then you'd probably see, and, and it was very limited back then, you might see the, the army old land rovers driving through Newbridge when I was a kid, you know, and then they'd do the, they'd bring the money into the banks, you know, and they had the, all the old weapons and all that kind of stuff back then, like, you know, so I was kind of fascinated by all that kind of stuff, like, and it never went anywhere. It was, that's, I'd be mind made up and that was it like that's where I was going like you know it was funny like because I remember hanging around with a lot of mates of mine and they had all crazy plans as well but never never went the way I went like you know because that's all I wanted to be like and that was it like you weren't taking clearly you weren't taking no for an answer like if it's going to this door is closed I'm going to the next door can you imagine like if you'd gotten into the American military because that's full on yeah it was uh, I was very close to that like I'd done the interviews and all for it and I done a little bit of time in the FCA here, and of course, any military stuff or anything like that with with the US guys, like they just love that kind of stuff, like you know. And I was just fierce and lucky at the time because they were trying to stop the influx of uh, people coming across the border. Because at that time, you could join the military in the states, do two years, get your green card, and you're safe as houses, like you know. Right. And the problem they were having was there was discipline, like. So people were, weren't motivated to, to be in the military or serve their country or whatever. Like they, were, they were motivated in getting the green card and then getting out like that. So they closed that door. Like, and I was probably unfortunate that I didn't know anyone. And I remember chatting to the sergeant that was in the recruiting office there. And he said, look, if you knew someone, we could probably do something for you here. But this guy is just black and white. He was given this and that's it. Like no one's getting in like but. A kind of a wink wink if you know someone and you can have a chat with them you know we might get this sorted for you like you know yeah and you're like no I come over on the plane on my own I don't know anyone <laughs> I'm not making my own <laughs> do you do you look back now and are you glad that you didn't get in there would you do you still have a what if or what way do you look at that kind of part of it uh, no I don't because I like I would have ended up going the same route like once I got in there I just wanted to achieve the best I could like which is obviously special operations like so it wouldn't have matter what army I went into I would have still I would have still tried to achieve the best I could so I've been special operations route like all like you know and even with 
with the guys, uh, the Irish special operations, like we, we train with guys all over the world. Like, so we train with the US guys and we train with, we train with everyone. So we're all on the same, the same level, like, you know, so it's still interesting times, like, you know. Yeah. So you get into the uh, army ranger after figuring out what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, how old were you at that stage? Uh, I was, I think I was about 22. Because I remember when I was 21, uh, for me 21st I found myself in the ditch and training doing an ambush like <laughs> and it was it was funny like because when we finished my training that people going yeah what do you do for your 21st and I'm there I was kind of in a ditch like <laughs> <laughs> other people yeah, end so, up in a ditch on their 21st but they're like drunk <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually that's what they said to me. Were you on the beer or yes? No, well, no, technically no, I wasn't on the beer. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on twenty-two. Well, geez, when you yeah, think about that now, like looking back, twenty-two like if you're twenty-two, I suppose at the time you think you know everything, which is like well, all twenty-two year olds are like, but yeah, yeah. you're still so young and you're in such a huge high pressure environment as well having oh, to learn it's massive like it's massive environment even when you're five six years in there even more you're actually still learning like so it's not like it's not that you're going to learn anything or everything within the first year or two like it's it's a constant learning curve in there like and even at that age i found myself like i was probably a year or two in there so i would have been 23 and a half ish and then i found myself on an nco's course and then all of a sudden the unit went operational and then over to East Timor. So then at 24, I found myself then as a 2IC of Special Forces team. Like, and then we were over there about a month. And the team leader then of my team, he was bumped up to platoon sergeant because there was a lot of things going on. So it made me then at 24, just in the unit, three, four a year. And there I was a team leader on operations overseas. Like, so it was mental. And I kind of never really thought about that. Only until the other day when one of the guys, one of the younger guys that actually was in my team had actually said it to me. He says, you know what, you were only this age when, and he was 18 when he came in, like, he says, mm. you were only this age and you were in charge of seven or eight lads and we were sitting overseas, you know, going on patrols, on range patrols and sitting in ambushes and all that kind of stuff. I never really thought about it, like, you know, he says, that's mental. Yeah. <laughs> Really, it is like if you can yeah, you imagine really now yeah. if you met a young 24 year old yeah. and they were like, I'm in charge of seven lads working in Duns, you'd be like, Ah, come on, how yeah, have you got these? Some of the guys were older than me, like you know, at the time, like uh, <clears throat> in the unit, like and, and some of the guys uh, were brought back in, so they had left the unit uh, and then brought them back in for the for that trip, like you know, so there was, I think there was two, two guys or three guys that are actually older than me and senior than me, like you know. And, Right there, I was running around the place and charging them, like, you know, so that was, it was, it was, a, it was some experience, all right. And um, what is it like going to these places? Because I suppose we all hear about the, you know, Irish are peacekeeping and, you know, but yeah. like, then I've watched a documentary and like things are happening. It's not like you don't get involved. Like you're obviously not involved in the fighting, but you are there and it is happening beside you and in many places like that. Yeah, lots of, lots of things happen, like, when, uh, East Timor, like we'd have the chapter seven and that, but it wasn't chapter seven when we went out first, like, you know, so it was just like your, your regular deployment overseas for any military, like, you know, and then halfway through it then or, or three quarter way through it then it would change into a chapter seven, but chapter seven still means it's, it's peace enforcing, like, so you're enforcing the peace, but it's not really blue either, like, you know, even like even your the normal trips and it doesn't get sort of, Publish that much or much talk about, but even your trips in the early days overseas to, to Lebanon and all, like lots of stuff goes on there all the time that it's not promoted or it's not 
broadcast it on the, the newspaper, like, you know, so you have wives and husbands and all overseas and, you know, you have me, him going on over there, like, you know, there's 500 pound bombs being dropped out of planes and guys are close to it, like, but it's not broadcasted all the time, like, you know, so even people might think, ah, they're only in the UN, but they're not really, they're actually putting their lives on the line all the time when they, when they step out over there, like, and these are wives, husbands, you know, they're coming home to kids, grandkids and all that kind of thing, like, you know, so, and they're away then again for, six, eight months, like, you know, at a time, like, so. Um, yeah, so a lot goes on when, when um, Irish troops get deployed overseas, like, you know, and they're very well respected, which is a good thing as well, like, you know, they're really well respected when they're working in these environments because I think everybody kind of relates to the Irish and the Irish are great with the gift of the gab as well, like, you know, yeah. just talk to anyone, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I watched a documentary that was on there around Paddy's Day and it was, it was a few years old, but it was from yeah. um, one of the platoons that went over and they were in Lebanon and this fella came up to yeah. the camera and he was a local. He was born and yeah, raised in Lebanon, yeah. never left. And he had a full Kerry accent from the Irish people. Yeah. It was yeah. the weirdest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's great. Like, you know, you could you could probably write 10 books on the stories over there. Like, you know, with the Irish troops overseas everywhere. Like, it's just a, it's just a character. Everybody kind of gravitates towards them. Like, you know, and it's a bit of crack. Like, you know, even with us in East Timor, we had a bit of crack with the, the villagers. Now, even though we were well away from everyone up in the jungle, away from, from away from everything. But the villagers up there were trying to get the locals to play hurling and everything. Like, we'd hurley sticks and everything and everything else. <laughs> it's just been mental at times, like, you know. <laughs> it's probably, is it something to do with, I suppose, the fact that you're not coming in and fighting and fighting locals yeah. and you know I suppose the US Army would be seen and, and the UK would be seen as you know this is bringing conflict whereas the Irish are coming in with the peacekeeping kind of message Yeah well even with the conflict even there's conflict there we always try to de-escalate it as much as possible like you know so there's always there's a time to be aggressive and a time not to be aggressive like you know and I think the Irish military and even our own unit are very good at, at, at doing that like you know so it's um I mean, it's at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is get the people on your side, like because it's mm. it's their country, it's not your country. So you need to get them on board, and then once you have them on board, then they'll help you out, like you know, and then you will help out. So it just works. It's works both ways around, like you know. What is it like coming back from somewhere like East Timor? Then you come back, you're 25 or whatever, and your friends are like. You coming for a pint and you're like, well, just home. I could do it sleeping for a few months. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It does be, it does be like that. You do be wrecked because the head is, is you know, you're on alert all the time. Like you know, so you're just once, once you come home from something like that, you just you're zapped. Like you know, for a couple of days. Like and it's. But it takes you a while to sort of come down as well. Like, you know, it's easy to switch into when you go into them environments or them roles. It's easy to just switch in. But when you're coming back out and then it just takes a little bit longer. You might, and it's funny, like, because people will be giving out to you, but you might, you don't mean to do, but you might be sitting at home and you might be quiet for a bit, like, you know, because you're just trying to come back out. At, you're trying to adapt. Mm. You lived in the jungle for six months, like, you know, you've been on operations and then you're trying to come home and adapt then to normal family life you know going out to the shop getting a carton of milk which can be the hardest thing to do like because you're after coming from a crazy place like and then you're sent down to get milk and you go wow it's, <laughs> it's, it can be strange like you know and uh, it's, it just takes a bit of getting used to like you know yeah I imagine every noise that you hear you're kind of like on alert yeah, for a few because days you're so after. alert like you know and it's like it's like this is your safe zone so this is you know you come home it's the white zone once you step out of that then your brain is just 100 mile an hour like and you're constantly going through scenarios in your head like you know and then when you come home here it takes a few days to adapt them and when it does adapt then you're like you're like a zombie because you just sit down and you know the kids would look at me and there's a big drool hanging on my mouth because I'm half asleep eating a dinner like <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're looking at me going, what's the story of that weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, go back, go back. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this guy. <laughs> I even get the funny looks from the dogs like, going, what is the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so like the, the stuff we see on Hell Week that you obviously have gone through as training and stuff, is that special mm. ops? That's... Not ra- is that ranger or special ops or what way does that I suppose the word yeah is? well it's the same like it's um, special operations it's the same thing like it's ra- mm. ranger wing or special operations so they generally uh, it's what they call us special operations like you know and then they all have their own name like we're uh, army ranger wing and navy seals and all that kind of yeah. thing but it's special operations forces is the general NATO term that they use for it and then someone that's in the teams they're called an operator like so that's the general term that's used like and it's a generic like so when you go abroad then it's operator operator so everybody it's it's like a general yeah. language like uh, that, that everybody knows yeah so uh, what we put them through is, is the same as what we go through we do about four weeks of that uh, kind of stuff four yeah. weeks yeah so you do your first generally your first week is all your tests and all that the different types of tests like and then we have I think it's three do or die tests is what we call them like you know if you don't do them you're gone like off the course like you know and then we do uh, like an educational phase like so everything that you've learned in the military it's like a rehash and maps and all that kind of stuff and then we take people onto the ground and see how they can work on the ground like yeah so it's generally four weeks and then we give we end with a massive walk like uh, could be 60k or 24 hour walk that start early in the morning put a lot of kit on them and they'll just keep walking like you know through the night up through the next day up until the next evening <laughs> with their full kit like yeah it's, it's crazy like you know but then we sort of give them a break then uh, for a week and then we take them on to what we call a soft queue um, mm-hmm. so it's special operations forces qualification so we qualify them in all the basic the basic stuff and and that's where we really look at them then like so we look at how they think and how they react in different situations so the shouting and that type of thing is is gone unless they really make a hands thing and they keep making it like or do something stupid like but it's it's all instructional like mm. so we teach them everything then and we see kind of play it then and we teach them like so that goes on for close to a year like so that's just your basic like for a year then after that then you're given a choice so if you do very well in that you either go into maritime platoon which is diving and driving boats and all that kind of thing or you go into para platoon which is high altitude low altitude jumping so the guys will jump out with thirty-two thousand feet mm. with oxygen masks on and they'll just navigate into wherever they're going like so and sometimes the boss man might go look i need three or four parachutists if you're a diver if you want to be a diver say no you're not going diving you're going parachuting because I need three or four parachutists so it just it works itself out in the end anyway like and then that that training then goes on for a long time as well because you have to do basic diving then you have to do a dive course then you come back and do tactical so our dive course we do with the Navy like then we'll we'll take them halfway through that and we'll do the tactical diving with them and then we'll do uh, tack swimming in and then we'll do the basic boats with them and then we'll do advanced boats and then we'll do canoes and then we'll do um, DPDs which are underwater uh, like submarines but mm. they're just a two-man DPD so they will travel on so it's a lot it could be another I don't know, six months or what, depending on where we get the courses fit in, could be another six months to a year when we get them trained up in that. And that's only the training. And then you sort of learn your stuff then from the senior guys, like, you know, they'll mm. sort of they'll take you onto the ropes then and say, no, don't do that. That's not good because we, we injured ourselves doing that to so do it this way. <laughs> so you yeah. get a lot of experience that way as well, like, you know. What was the hardest aspect of it when you were doing your training? It would have been the selection course itself is brutal, like, you know, um, yeah. because I can remember one of the walks we done, like, I think it was 
something like 18 or 19 k. So what they've done with us, um, the first three days, again, even though we had done nearly two and a half weeks of selection and just to keep weeding out the chaff, but we went on to our final phase then, which was nine days on the ground. And that was crazy as well. The first three days were crazy. Then the next couple of days, then they would give you sort of missions to do. Everyone would get a mission and do it. And then your last day was obviously the big walk. But the first three days for us was the worst because you would walk, our first walk was 18 kilometers with the full kit. We'd get into somewhere, you'd go through the drill of getting your sleeping bag out, doing your the full drill as per it's done. You'd just get into the sleeping bag and they'd say bug out. So that means you put all your gear back into your bag, put it on your back, and we'd head off again. Like So they'd done that for three, I don't know where we were, they'd just done that for three days. We could have been walking around the circle, I would think we walked miles, like you know. <laughs> so they'd done that with us for three days, and that was to get rid of people. And you could see it, it started to annoy people, and people went, no, nah, I'm out here, I'm out here. And so I think 17 come on the ground with us, and within them three days, there was five or six people just gone. But I never forget on the third day, third night of that, I was at the back, and I was falling asleep, but I could still manage to understand what was happening in front of me. And all the guys, you'd swear all the guys were drunk because everyone was asleep walking. I don't even know how we stayed on the road. <laughs> and I remember, I remember one of the guys that was with me, it was funny, he was at the back. And we stopped just for a second and we stood up against the wall. We we're so tired we couldn't even kneel down. And within a second of standing up on the wall, I could hear him snoring, standing up like... <laughs> And we all headed off and we forgot about him like and he was still back there snoring his head off like and we got absolutely roasted for leaving him behind me. <laughs> oh my god. He did he get roasted for falling asleep? <laughs> oh he did, yeah. We all got lashed over like for the oh, it's just crazy. So that that them three days were really hard, like you know, because you were mm. just you were going with really not much food, no sleep. We were just constant walking, 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 you know. So it was really hard. But uh, in saying that. It, that type of thing is really good because I remember in the jungle we'd done a hard walk 20k and it was I think it was 90 degrees of humidity and we were ca- and carrying full kit and sometimes that'd be really hurting you but you'd look back to selection and go here look I'm after doing that so this is grand you know mm. so then, them times when you're feeling <laughs> feeling sorry for yourself you know every time I watch it and I see you know everyone looks like they're getting into bed and they think they're going to have a nap and then the whistle goes up I'm like that's where you'd lose me I would be like <laughs> yeah. I don't care I'm in the bed I'm not getting out <laughs> That kills people like it's the sleep and the food and all the lack of food and the lack of sleep it gets you like and on. Yeah, and then someone yelling at you. Yeah, that's it. Like that just confuses you, especially when you just wake up and you have some big hairy fella standing over there shouting at you like you know, and you don't even know why he's saying you. (laughs) It's just like I remember that happening to me, and it just reminded me of remember Bart Simpson and. Bart could hear the dog talking, but all you could hear was wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that was like me. Like it's the same thing. Like someone standing there shouting at you, having a clue what's going on, and it could be the simplest task is giving you to do. Like, <laughs> oh my god, Jesus! I, yeah, I suppose it starts to zone in. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's called, like you said, it's like you're drunk. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> so you lasted a long time in the army, though, didn't you? Yeah, I done. Um, I was only finished my retraining. I done well in um, my three star. Then because I done well in that, I done well in my gunners course, and then I went straight into. We done a stint in Portlaoise Prison, you know the way the military does two months down there. So I was in oh, the key barracks, the artillery barracks. So I went straight into Portlaoise, done two months there, and then I went straight overseas. Come back from overseas. I trained for selection actually back in Portlaoise Prison. I was there for probably a month and a half, trained there, went out, done selection. So I've been down in the unit 21 years, like. 
So Jeez. it's 23 in the army and 21 down there. Like, you know. What is it What is it like going into somewhere like Port Leash um, where I suppose you don't really have the power that the prison officers are, but all this is going on and you're trying to train and get stuff done. Like, what's that? Ah, like? I tell you, it's it's just, and that's where your self-discipline and, and self-motivation comes in. Like, that's because it is, It's, it's that's exactly it. It's a prison within a prison where we were. So we don't have, mm. we don't have much room down there to train or run around. So it's, it's whatever crazy ideas that come you, comes into your head and enables you to train. Like, cause that's where I done a lot of my training. Now I had a bit of background because I was overseas, so I got a lot of the, the hill work and that kind of stuff done, and mm. all the running that goes on over there. So I got a lot of that done, but I still had to keep that up because I still had another five or six months before the selection process was coming up. Like, so I still had to, and, and it was crazy. Like, cause the guys had seen me running around, just running up and down the wall for about an hour, the same position. Like, so I was like, it's like probably the football pitch and you're just running up and down, up and down for an hour. Like, and I'd probably be carrying all sorts of heavy stuff to try train myself. Like, and they'd see me running around with blocks and fire extinguishers and going, what is this? And I was only a young fella, like, so I didn't know, like, you know, <laughs> just saying, what is the story that crazy person? <laughs> it's stuck to you. You got, you got all those yeah, years yeah. in there, you know, it's not like you get kicked out at the, at the last step or something like that. So that's good. Yeah. jeez. Oh, what was it like though saying goodbye to the army? Like, what was the final decision for you that kind of you said, "I'll this, it's time." Ah, that that was very hard. Like, because you'd still miss it. Like, um, I think the final straw for me was probably the the pay and the conditions. Like, that's what done it for me. Like, you know, and it's a pity. Like, because you, you lose a lot of guys from that. Like, and a lot of senior guys. Like, you know, because if the pay was still good, I would have been still there. Actually, probably the four of us would have been still there. Probably in a training role now, training young guys, but you yeah. still would have had that experience. Like, you know, um, so that's. That was the main motivation factor for me. And it wasn't like, and obviously enough the recession hit and you lose your, your wages and that like, but the amount of wages that I lost was half my mortgage, like, you know, and it's only when you sit down and talk about it then. Yeah. And then someone that's, and I, I kind of ignored it for, you know, the best part of two or three years because I love the job so much. Like a lot of us join the job, not for the money, but for the love of the work and the love of what, you, what you're doing, like, you know, because yeah. in there, there is no crazy promotion the ladder like you'll get to sort of a rank and you'll, you'll stay there but lads stay there because they like doing the job but it comes to a point then where you need to look after family and you need to look after things outside as well and that's yeah. it's, it's very it's a very difficult choice like uh, it was very difficult for me to make like you know and I just it was just when I sat down and done the figures and I just thought to myself you know what I'm on call 24-7 like yeah. all the guys are they're on call 24-7 to go anywhere in the world like and if I go and work in done stores for this many hours, I actually get paid more money. Like, and I'm I'm going I'm special operations. Like, for yeah. you, you know what I mean. And it was it was really difficult to try talk to other SF or guys, other operators around the world because they would tell you this is what they get, and then they you tell them and they go, oh my god, like how are you still, you know. So that was really it was very hard for us as well, kind of embarrassing for for want of a better word. Like, and so that's what summed it up for me. I mean, if I could. At one point, I just looked at it and I went, well, if I actually take my pension, stay home, work half a day, I'm up 100 euros. Like, and I went, what the hell? <laughs> you know, yeah. if I don't work at all, I was only down something like 50 euros. It was bananas, like, when I'd done the figures and I just, it was funny, like, well, it was funny at the time and I just woke up on one and I was kind of contemplating it with my wife, but I don't think I said it to her, like, you know, because mm. I couldn't sleep that night. 
and I was due to go overseas as as a team leader or, or doing some an operation in a couple of months and I was due to go over and I went into work and I met the two IC lovely guy uh, and he goes well Jerry, how you get you all set and I said I'm over here and he went what <laughs> I said, I'm enough, I'm done, good luck to you. And it was funny, like, you know, so I went over to the dive store then and uh, I remember shortly afterwards, the boss man came in, you know, and I, I trained the guy, lovely guy as well, like, and he, go on, he goes, what, what, what do you mean you're out here? <laughs> I says, I'm done. And I explained it, I said, look, if you get me more pay, I'll stay here for the rest of my life. I'll train guys, no problem. I says, but I just, mm. I can't maintain, uh, I can't maintain the bills at home and everything at home for the, for the money I'm on like you know and the only thing that and, and actually when I really thought about it and I said it I said it at the time the only thing that actually managed to keep myself in the unit for that length of time was the fact that I haven't had an overdraft facility in the bank it was just crazy yeah it was crazy to think think like that and the only time I was, wasn't overdrawn was when I, uh, you know, I forgot an overseas trip or that kind of thing, it sort of kept me up again, like, you know. So that was the final nail in the coffin for me, like, you know, and it was a hard decision. It took me a long time. And even I think I had the wife's head and everything wrecked here. I think it took me probably a year or maybe more to try to even get over that, like, you know, to, it was gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised, though. It's been a big chunk of your life. But at the same aspect, if you are looking at it, that you're earning more working in Duns when yeah, you're yeah. on call and you're the elitist of elite yeah, ready to protect yeah. our country if something yeah. happens or protect another country you know yeah. and yet you're not making enough money that you'd work and get in a grocery like I'm not yeah, I, I understand yeah. it yeah and it's a drop of a, like them all them guys in there to the drop of a hat you ask them to go anywhere they want them to do it like drop of a hat no questions asked like yeah. just gone like no, it's, it's just it's unfortunate like you know and I even meet and met guys there a while ago and some like it's it's sad like it's I met a guy there a while ago and he's, he's a solid guy as well like and he'd left and there he is working in the building sites because he's getting more money like you know that's some serious amount of skill out there that's gone like and yeah. it's multiple yeah. skill like it's not and it's it takes a long time to learn the skill like and learn all the disciplines and like and, and the amount of money it costs to train a guy like as well like you know uh, to, to have him up to, to speed like and in the drop of a hat he's gone like God, coming out of the army, then you're like a little bit. Were you a little bit lost, or were you, did you kind of go right? I know what I'm going to do. Similar. No, I was kind of lost for a while. Well, you see, the the, the military end of things now has really changed in, since the Afghan and uh, the Iraq wars. Like, so the, the the intelligence end of things used to come from the top down, like a triangle type thing we had. That sort of comes from the bottom up to the top. They disseminate and it comes back down again, and that's what kind of got me into the the cyber and the things like um, because the guys now carry a lot of equipment and they're going in so they can take stuff off you know phones and biometrics and all that so I got really interested in that uh, and then I, I ended up doing a master's then in UCD um, while I was still in the unit like mm. um, and it was a cyber crime and computer forensics stuff like so I done that and that's probably the way I was going to go but uh, once I come out then um I'd, I'd done that for a, a good bit then. I'd done a couple of other different things. And then I ended up doing some security stuff, uh, consultancy and that. And then I kept getting more phone calls, even though I was trying to keep going to the cyber end of things. Because like, I was thinking, yeah, sitting beside the computer is nice and handy. Do me all training. Yeah, and I like <laughs> then I kept getting pulled towards the security consultancy end of things. Like, so that's what I'm kind of doing now. Like, you know, so it's, it's good. I didn't, I had no plans. And it was crazy, like, at the time, because lads were kind of saying to me, yeah, what plan did you have? And I was, when I think about it, it was mad. Like, that's how annoyed I think I was at the time because um, I had no plan. 
yeah. just walk in and it says I'm out here like that's it like it's just I'm done but when you're <laughs> done you're done it's kind of one of those things yeah. isn't it you just know yeah. and yeah. I saw on your bio that part of your consultancy stuff is like you've done bodyguard stuff as well for like famous people and all like that's very different to the army as well yeah it is very different all right <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's very different all right it's a new learning curve as well like you know because you're trying because <laughs> everybody wants to know what you've done before you know that kind of thing like you know so mm. it'd be best to try keep that on the law law like yeah. finding out anyway like you know <laughs> yeah you're trying to bring bono from one like from a shop yeah. or to a restaurant and you're like well in my old job i used to have to like go scan the area make sure there's no bombs blah 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 this is just Hello, don't just don't shoot Bono as I walk him in. <laughs> it's gas like it's so it's so unreal to think you went from like the army to cyber to close protection. And now then one of the biggest shows in RT, like how does that come about? Yeah, that was strange because we actually talked because we were very paranoid people anyway, like, you know, and uh, mm. we kind of kept everything. We, we always kept everything ourselves. The same with the guys inside to keep everything to themselves. Like, you know, and it was funny now that you say that, because it just reminded me when that show came out first before I forget, I, I live in a local town and I played football all my life and played soccer here with them. Like, so I was heavily involved in the game and all that kind of thing, but no one really knew what I'd done. Mm. And then the show came out and then most <laughs> of the time wouldn't talk to me, they're afraid of life because I didn't know what I'd actually done. Like, you know, I was never in uniform. I was always in civilian, like clothes, like, you know, <laughs> Uh, that was funny like but I remember I came back from somewhere I think it was on tour and then one of the guys staff got an email and had a chat with me like on the WhatsApp and again, I got an email and of course two of us were paranoid we're going I had someone acting a mick here like this. so <laughs> it took us ages even to you know comprehend this and it was actually uh, it was an ex friend of ours just was contacted um, by Jamie and that like you know asking for four lads to to partake in it like you know and even that it took us a while even to make that decision because we're putting a lot on the line like you know we spent as you can imagine we spent we spent 21 years hiding the fact of what we done like and hiding mm. our names and all that kind of thing like you know and now it was going to be out there like uh, and then what way were we going to be perceived? Well, we knew what way we were going to be perceived when this came out first, like, because it was going to be not like it on television and it was going to be very raw and very hard. So it took us a long time to try to make that decision because we knew, we says, look, once this comes out, guys, people are going to think we're bullies. Like, this is, you know, they're not going to get this, like, no matter how much press we do or how much or explain it to people. Some people will get it, but a lot of people aren't going to get it, like, you know. Uh, but our main concern at the time was that we'd done did it come across right to the guys in the unit that was our main concern like we didn't really care what people were going to label us with as long as the guys in the unit were going yeah lads that's good that's because that's how we do our things we wanted to try portray how it actually is done within the unit to a certain to a certain degree like and I remember that it was very funny I remember the first episode that, that was coming out we brought Jamie Jamie Dalton who was the, the director of Motive TV we brought him in and Roscoe which is the lead cameraman two two lovely guys so we decided to bring them into the unit to watch it with all the lads <laughs> and we kept winding the guys up like we kept we go lads if this goes pear-shaped you're on your own like because these guys are burning us and go hatchet like and you have a long way to run to get to the gate like you know so the boys are sitting there terrified looking looking at serious like you know but yeah, it took us a long time to to try to try get over that. But the boys absolutely loved it, especially the first uh, the first um, episode that came over. Like you know, so and it was good. We really wanted to show 
everybody like that we actually have have a unit like this and the guys work damn hard to you know to keep up that tradition and and keep it alive like you know and there was there's never really much said about it like you know so it was a way for us of getting the word that there, these guys are out there and this is what to do like you know so yeah it's, it's great for us to know that it's there because you don't as you said you don't hear much about it you don't know anything about the people because obviously that's no. the way it's meant to be while you're in the yeah. unit and then the other side effect of it is you're sitting on the couch like a lazy bastard going oh yeah. I'd be able to do that yeah, yeah. Garage. why is she quitting already <laughs> yeah we get loads of that like and I remember on the first series as well it was funny because I think one of them made the mistake of saying that like that he actually never knew we had a special forces one of the contestants like and then we just absolutely destroyed him like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just keep your mouth shut is what I've learned from watching it. Just don't laugh, don't comment unless they say so. But you must love doing it now, like all these years later. Yeah, it is. It's it's funny, like, because we just switch into, it's hard, very hard to explain how we do it, like, because people think, people think it's an act, like, and it's not. It's just we switch on to that mode of training people and it's it's constant 24 hours to carry, like, the cameras follow us, so there is no cuts, there is no takes, and it, it is what it is, like, you know. And all this stuff that's said, it's just it's just comes to the head, and then there's stuff that we just don't plan for. It just comes overhead because we're so long at it. Yeah. And I remember the very first one we done up in um, uh, Kilbride. The, they'd never seen us how we operate mm. and all the production girls were they, everyone wanted to see it so they all come up to the range when the candidates were there and of course we were I, we were chatting like as I'm chatting to you now and we mm. cups of coffee and then we're going yeah but look we need to get that stuff down there for the next event like, nice and cash then we went up to the range then and the candidates arrived and we just switched the, the, the flick the switch then and went into DS mode absolutely they destroyed them, brought them back down to the billets. And it was funny because I never realized that, you know, when other people looking in, because the only people that ever look in when we're doing that as our own guys, like, so we're yeah. used to, like, you know. And I remember then uh, Ray took them into the billet and had a chat with them. And myself and staff then, we were heading back up. Um, Ray and OB took them in, and myself and staff were heading back up to try to organize stuff for the next event. And it was funny. So again, we switched out of the mode, we're chatting away and drinking a bit of coffee, and we said, um, we'd look to the corner and there were all the production girls standing and there was still kind of a, we knew that they were kind of weary of us looking because they'd never seen, seen us in that. And we we were walking up and says, here, stop, let's, let's fight the shit out. And so we were chatting away in Norman as we got closer then the two of us let a roar at them like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they called us every name under the sun. Like, so it was funny, like, but it took us a while to kind of get used to because they would have us written down as talent. Yeah. And we were always going, are they talking about talent? Like, who the hell is We never realized, you know, and then we start acting the mick with them down. We wanted our own caravans. And then anytime <laughs> we see the girls, we'd put our hands out for the coffee. Like, where's my coffee? It was, so eventually they got used to us. Then, like, you know. <laughs> so you're, you're having a ball doing the show um, and showing, I suppose, the, what you wanted to show that this this is the strict side of the Ranger unit like, that we that you guys had to go through. They're doing yeah, a shortened yeah. version of it. Yeah, and it's good, like it's um and it's hard to try it's 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 funny like because we talked to the con- contestants afterwards, like you know, and we were trying to explain to them the most difficult part that you'll have to try explain that to your wife or your girlfriend is how full on it is, like you know, because and it said that to us then later on, they'd say, Yeah, I was trying to tell her this, and they were going, Oh, you get loads of sleep and you take loads of breaks, and they were saying, No, it's not like it's just little sleep and it's and, and the thing about it is we're the guys that gets them up like so if they're up we're up getting them up yeah. like you know so they they couldn't fathom that either how little sleep that we were working on like because we're, we always have to be with them or always have to be moving them around like you know mm-hmm. and and that, that actually came back that 
the most difficult part was to try explain to people that it's 24 for them that it's 24 hours like not mm. what you see on tv is 50 minutes of a day like like they, yeah. they're 24 it's 24 7 for them for as long as they're with us like you know so there is no break for them <laughs> yeah and like the other side of it is i found that a lot of people assume that the celebrities get an easier time because they're famous no. when you do celeb no. hell week but no, then no, i spoke no. to ryan andrews uh when he was on it and he was saying he was traumatized afterwards yeah. like, terrified of the water for weeks <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, they probably thought that they were going to get a handy time as well like and yeah. he says nah we just turned it up a notch <laughs> that's why I find gas like a lot of the people the contestants are especially if they're like personal trainers or they're super fit yeah. in like the gym they assume yeah. that that transcends into the same what to what you're going to be doing no it's a different type of hardness like you know mm. that you've gone into like it's real it, it, it's a real different type of hardness like it's you're out of your comfort zone 24 7 like and you have to you have to like being out of that comfort zone like you know you have to kind of like the pain that's what we say like you know you're just you're constantly out of it all the time and constantly challenge yourself and that's that's the thing about the guys in there they, they'll always challenge themselves like you know even when they're in a lot of pain like it's they find it as a challenge for themselves, like, you know, and that's, that's how it works. Like, so even their normal training in their, like, uh, guys hitting the gym, they usually have all their gear on, like, and they be in the gym, like, you know, throwing stuff around, like, and then that doesn't stop for them. Like, so when they put on the tools of the trade, as we call them, like they could be house assaults all day, like, or they could be playing assaults or they could be on the range, but they're wearing their full body armor, full allotment of kit. So that's the whole day, like, you know, mm. so for, for those guys, they're burning an average of 4,600 calories a day, like, uh, to 5,000, like, so that's the amount of calories that they burn, like, towards your, your, your normal person, like, you know. And then you're like, here is a thing of rice, that'll fill you up for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, for us, we try, because they're in for so short, so we try uh, cut down, minimize that, like, because um, they're not obviously going to do the four weeks, like, so we do the four weeks, but by the time you know, you're a couple of days into it and heading in for week two, you're, you're actually, you end up being like them, you're starving all the time, like you're tired all the time and sleepy, like, you know, so we have to try bring it to them a little bit quicker. Like. Yeah. My God, they must hate you on, at the end though. Or they're just like giving you death glares, just being like. <laughs> yeah, they probably do like, you know, but <laughs> at the end of it, what we get is, a lot of them going, that was the best experience in life. And I'm yeah. going, you for real, you volunteer for this. You don't even win anything. Like, <laughs> at least they get to serve in the unit. Like, you get nothing. You just go home with loads of aches and pains and bruises. Like, you know. Well, they, they get the kudos if they've made it to the end. Like, they get to be like, oh, I was in the final. Yeah. But like, I'd hate to be the first person going out because then you're just like, yeah, you got, you got nothing. Like, <laughs> just like, me for a few hours and I got nothing. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Didn't even get off the bus properly, and then you're going home. You know, like I. Oh God, I always feel sorry for those who don't even make it back to the bedrooms. Like I'm like, oh come on, just just yeah. hang out for a little bit longer. But is it true that um, no woman has ever completed it yet? Is that still the case? Yeah, that's that's still it. Yeah, no woman has has completed like, and that's still to this day like, you know, and that's they're not treated any different. Everybody's treated mm. exactly the same and same test same weight so there's no different and that's that's the one thing that we do everything has to be exactly the same and, and and equal all the time like so because we get all different ranks down like so you'll get officers down you'll get sergeants down ncos privates like so once you walk in that gate everybody has a clean slate don't care who you are what you've done or what you know male female we don't care like you can do what we're asking you to do then happy days like you know so it's the, the thing that gets the women mostly probably is is the weight you know because it's just you know it's just evolution i suppose guys are just can carry heavy weight like you know um and that that seems to kill them like but 
sometimes it doesn't like you know and some some of the women are really strong like and they've really surprised us like a lot of them like even right up onto this, this serious here like they're, they, they surprise you like they're very strong like you know yeah it's just I suppose that one person that does it once one woman does it then it'll it'll be a breakthrough yeah, well if it does it gives the motivation like to, to all the other women to to have a crack at like you know like, everything's achievable like there's nothing impossible yeah stick your mind to it, like you know yeah yeah well no it's impossible for me I can tell you that right now it's impossible for me <laughs> there's no training you can put me through I'd still I'd die I would literally die <laughs> but I would probably be that idiot that when you yell at me I'd yell back and then you'd that would just make things all the way worse (laughs) you know four hairy lads swinging away then like yeah and I know that like there has to be contestants who do that to you who yell back and then instantly we just have to sort of keep it fair across the board like and also like there's no it's not it's not a form of bullying or picking on people that's just the way it is everybody's treated exactly the same like you know and because at the end of the day you're training people to go into a harsh environment like it's not every job of every day that it's nice and easy like like these guys are going into a very harsh environment like so you're trying to prepare them for that like you know well i did enjoy um was it you that made one of the contestants dance this year at the start i was in bitches (laughs) laughing i just couldn't stop laughing i was like this poor lad i think i'd rather have to do push-ups than have to dance for the rest of his life like for that like <laughs> exactly. We can't dance as Irish people unless it's river dancing with a few drinks in. Like there's no him just doing this little awkward dance. Oh, I felt so bad for him. <laughs> I think his mates had mem- memes and all out about him like as soon as he's <laughs> as soon as they come on the television, like he was getting lashed over. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. Um, so we have a few episodes left of this series. And when do you start? Do you start recruiting then? Like how does it work then for next year and stuff? Uh we kind of leave that to uh, to motive like when they mm. do that they, they kind of look at the cast and all that kind of things like and we tend to stay away from from that kind of thing because we're so busy at other stuff like but motive have been very good at getting that right like the, and you could see the contestants up and loud have got a really spot on like even yeah. with the celebrities and all like you know because <clears throat> you're always kind of wary even with the celebrity one if it could go pear shaped like and off people aren't fit enough and then all of a sudden you've on day one, you have no one like, or yeah. half them are gone. You're going off oh, shit. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> we have now? no like, TV no. show left. <laughs> yeah, like, so they've been really very good at that. Like, you know, they've been actually brilliant at that. Like, um, because we kind of we do all of that stuff down in the unit. Like, so what what more of doing? We do it ourselves. So we look at the fitness. We do the fitness. Look at the medical, and all that kind of thing, and all the paperwork. All that kind of stuff is done, and it comes comes into our place, and that's done prior to it. Uh, and then it's done on the day and then, then it kicks into the selection then like so all the paperwork and all the kind of thing is out of the way like you know so there's a lot for them to take on as well like because like there's I think I think one stage Jamie mentioned there was six or seven hundred people applied like that's some bananas like like if I was saying to him Jesus if we could get that for a selection course we'd be, we'd be laughing in the army like you know it'd be great like but uh, but you don't like you know and then they have to whittle that right down to um, whatever it is 28 or 26 whatever it is they decide to, to bring on like which is which is no it's it's a it's a tall order to ask like you know for them to get that right like 800 mad people around the country yeah like uh, and the amount of people who want to do it and I'm going these are crazy <laughs> They are. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, the rest of the year, you're doing your consultancy work. So when yeah, you're not, you're not on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Consultancy work, like, which is grand, like, so I'm kind of chilling 
chilling when I can. They can do my own bits of training and stuff like, you know, so it's, it's good that way. Like, Yeah, the problem is there, though, you've picked a job where you constantly have to be fit. You can never get fat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Like, you have to keep working fit. out all the time. What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to my fat days. I can't wait till I'm old yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. I can, don't have to work out ever again. <laughs> yeah, but same as that, but probably to normally look, I'll probably take a heart attack a week into it or something. Oh, yeah, you'll be like, do you know what? You'll have one Kit Kat and it'll be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Jared, it's been so great talking to you. And thanks for coming back on again after that cut off. Yeah. Um, it's been great. I love learning all about this sort of stuff because I'm yeah. lazy and I can never. I know, have to it's, do it. it's, it's good chance. It's like, it's good. It's, it's nice to get it out there as well, like just to give people a some sort of idea of what we what we do or what the unit does and that kind of thing and even what the contestants go through like you know and to show you're <laughs> not, a normal human when you're not yelling yeah, that's it as well like you know because they all like it was funny the first couple of shows like we, we done like especially the first one like there's people afraid to look at us like you know they're walking and you could see it like you know they're terrified to come over you're going for fuck's sake <laughs> you're you know yelling at them to, over to, to do yelling them to come over <laughs> yeah for fuck's sake <laughs> I think I'd still be scared if I saw he's out there even though I know you now and you're very lovely <laughs> <laughs> well listen you go and look after yourself and thank you so much great chatting to you so lovely thank you so much same here, yeah. same and you here. have a good evening and uh, do your 20 million squats or whatever you're doing for the rest of the day <laughs> I'll try anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll get very farly. Oh, but further than me. <laughs> Go on, talk to you later. Well, cheers, okay. That was a delight to listen to because, you know, you get to hear that actually he went through what he puts people through on Hell Week. So it's not like he's just making it up. He actually has gone through it as well. Uh, love that. And also to hear, you know, all the different stories about being in the army, being abroad, what the Irish are like, why he left the army, all that kind of stuff is just so fascinating. It was lovely to get so much time with him and to see that he's not, you know, like on the TV. Yeah, you do would be terrified, but he is a very nice person and he's not going to yell at you unless you're in Hell Week so that's good to know so if you enjoyed this episode please do go and subscribe like follow us on Instagram Twitter um, follow on Spotify iTunes whatever it is and then you'll get every episode every Saturday it'll come up on your feed and um, if you do like it give us a rating or a review so important please I really appreciate that thank you so much somebody gave me my 20th day and honestly I nearly cried that was my 20th rating on Spotify five stars honestly whoever you are you're the most wonderful person in the world I love you. <laughs> With that, I'm going to leave you and I hope you have a really good weekend and look after yourselves and I will talk to you next week. Slong a fall.